Hey everybody, this is Al Naj from the Unapologetic Women Empowerment Dynasty and you're listening to the Unapologetic Women podcast, the show for women who choose to live their legacies unleashed, unlimited and unapologetic. If this is a space you're curious about, visit unapologetic-women.com. Today we're talking about when the worst has happened with Jack White. Jack has over 20 years of proven experience as a startup executive, digital business leader, operator and angel investor. With a focus on business development services, email marketing and strategic planning, Jack has provided startups and established companies alike with the business tactics needed to multiply revenue and grow market share. An entrepreneurial thinker with expertise in C-suite decision-making, she supports her clients during critical inflection points that shape the trajectory of their business. Today, Jack brings another layer of herself into the conversation. As a woman of wisdom gained through life experiences often not spoken about openly due to their raw nature. By courageously, lovingly and appreciatively sharing her story, she invites women to reclaim the fullness of life, thereby ending the cycles of self-shame and self-abandonment, replacing them with wholeness and well-being. Thank you for joining us. This is going to be a deeply inspirational conversation with Jack. So first of all, I want to say thank you so much for saying yes to this podcast. It's interesting for me, there's a theme that is starting to run in the women that I'm meeting, and it's an important theme that I think needs to be discussed, but I'm going to let that unfold as it needs to unfold. Um, and it again anchors me into appreciation for who we are as women and how more and more women are willing to speak unapologetically about life. <laughs> life. Like, yes, yes, yes. And, and normalizing what we have been suppressing, judging, shaming in ourselves, hiding from ourselves, hiding from everybody else, and struggling in the process. And it's just such a blessing to meet somebody like you, Jack, and then to say, yes, I'll be on your podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk with you and, you know, talk about some of my stories and some of the things I've learned. And I, in turn, really appreciate women who encourage other women to share and be honest and use our stories to help each other, because I agree with you. I think you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, we just didn't talk about the things that we talk about now. And, um, you know, I know hearing other people's stories has really helped me process things in my own life. And I feel like if somebody else hearing a little bit of my story helps them, um, that's a part of why we go through things. And, you know, the good, the bad, and, and the horrible. <laughs> yes, and I feel as well that I always go back to a memory in my childhood where there were four generations of women sitting around the kitchen table on the Sunday afternoon. And it was after lunch was done and the dishes were washed and packed away. And the women included me, you know, it was my great-grandmother, my grandmother, my mom, my aunts, me. 
And they would sit and play towel rummy, have a glass of wine, and they would talk. That's where the unspoken conversations were being had. And we, my generation, we don't have that. We don't have the four generations of women coming together anymore in a really sacred, safe space to talk about anything and everything, the laughter, the tears, the frustrations, the, oh my God, this is what's really going on. And how wonderful then that we have created the technology and the platforms and the connection for us to come together as women and do it like this. So let's delve into the question of all questions, Jack. What does it mean for you to be an unapologetic woman? Oh, so many things. Um, But I think for me, when I truly became unapologetic is when I realized exactly what I wanted in my life and, and, you know, and realized what my life could be and what was important to me and just worked towards that and made decisions to get me to that place. Still working on it. Um, But, you know, no longer let myself feel guilty or sad or, you know, have a fear of missing out for all of these other things. I became really clear on what was important, what was good in my life, what I was going to work towards. And it allowed me to sort of let all of the other things slide away that we feel pressure to hold on to or say yes to or do something out of an obligation. And I feel that especially as high achieving women, we put so much pressure on ourselves for a socially approved level of success. And we believe that that is what we want. And we believe that that is what's important to us. And my experience has been that a lot of us went through so much pain and and self-inflicted pain and self-inflicted shame and self-inflicted pressure until something happened in a glorious way. And this is why I believe everything in life happens for us. Even the the ring sting moments, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In order to, to, for us to become humble enough to be honest with ourselves. Was that your Mm -hmm. experience as well? Yes, definitely. I think, you know, I've been probably type A since I was born. (laughs) Um, And everything I said I was going to do, I achieved. I'm very much, you know, metrics driven person. Tell me what I need to do to get an A and I'm going to get there. Tell me what I need to do to get into this school and it's going to happen. Show me you know, what I need to do to succeed and it's going to happen, all all of that. And when you hit all of those milestones, when you don't let yourself fail, when you don't take no for an answer. I mean, my mom tells the story about how I got to be in college and basically like just badgered my professor until they gave me an A because I couldn't handle not having perfect grades there is like a certain kind of dysfunction and and unrealistic pressure that you put on yourself mm-hmm. and for me when when you know there was a moment in my life where 
I wanted to have a child, you know, I wanted to get pregnant and it wasn't happening and it wasn't happening and it wasn't happening. And we saw all the doctors and we did all the things and, you know, it was the first time I really failed at something. And this is, you know, almost 20 years ago. So, um, this, to have that be your first real failure in life is pretty devastating. And my moment of empowerment and becoming unapologetic coming out of that was when I, you know, after years of trying to um, have a baby, looked around at my life and said, man, I have a really great life. And I am fixated on this one aspect that at that point had become just because I can't do it, I'm gonna do it, right? It, it became this like thing that I just couldn't let go of. And I think, you know, my husband and I were talking and, and you know, through like a series of conversations, I sort of came to the realization that I'm not gonna let this one thing determine whether I am happy and successful in life my life is so much more than one thing and really at that moment which is actually quite a sad moment because you know having a, a, like being pregnant was such an important thing for me but i also felt so liberated in that decision because it took this tremendous pressure off of me to have this life that i had planned out for myself and I got the freedom to really reimagine what life could be and make whatever decision I wanted and throw away the rule book that I thought I needed to, you know, live by and not feel guilty about doing that. And there was, you know, it by giving up control of the situation that I had no control of, I actually gained a ton of fearlessness to do other things I would have never done. And that for me was an incredibly painful and long learned lesson, but changed the course of the rest of my life. I was having a conversation with my friend Amy um, on Friday and we were talking about, I love playing with masculine and feminine energies. And we were playing a little bit with that. And what I realized was all of this drive all of this achievement is all a masculine energy and again we don't make anything wrong right it's it's about taking a different perspective on life to see where we are mm -hmm. out of balance and why i want to i want to figure out why why is society in the state that it is in at the moment and quite frankly it's getting worse at the moment it's not getting better and what i've come to understand is that the masculine energy is the have the goal, have the plan mm -hmm. executed, you know, fail, go back to the planning board, do, 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 do. That's the masculine energy. It's the purpose of the masculine energy. But the feminine energy is the creative energy. It's the dreaming. It's the desire. It's the letting go of control. It's the chaos. It's the emotion. And if we as women, as high achievers, are overtly in the masculine energy because we're living in a society where the feminine energy has been 
rejected for a long time. Again, mm -hmm. nothing wrong with it, right? Part of evolution. But what I am seeing is that the unapologetic women are being broken out of the mold of the masculine, mm -hmm. thrown into the chaos of the feminine. And then we all kind of go, oh my God, what an awakening and what now? And it's a, that's the starting point. And I know for yeah. you as well, releasing that drive of having a baby yeah. was only the first event in you for sure. the unapologetic woman that you are today. Yeah. I want to say to all the listeners that what follows here is sacred and sensitive. And I want to honor you. Thank you. For what is, what was the next? Yeah. So, um, so I want to just first talk about, I think, because I'm also a small business owner and I work with a lot of other small business owners. And I think one of the most amazing things in terms of the female and the male energy is I think women, exactly to what you're saying, are starting to recapture and empower ourselves. And that's why you're seeing all of these really successful women coming on company boards, running companies, helping each other raise money for our businesses, deciding to build our own businesses and help each other out in a way that I don't think men support each other. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. So I do hope the tide is turning not only in our personal life, but in our business life also. And certainly for me, when I gave up this drive to have a baby, I became the CEO of a company that had me traveling all over the world, which was never a decision I would have made that, you know, I would have never taken an opportunity like that, knowing I wanted to start a family because that was, wouldn't be the lifestyle that I wanted. And so by releasing that, I had a tremendous career opportunity and ended up getting pregnant on my own, you know, five years ago and, or almost five years ago. And it was, you know, such a blessing and a surprise and just, um, you know, the most magical thing that we never thought would happen to us. And just, you know, really thankful for a really, you know, textbook pregnancy, textbook birth, super healthy, happy baby. Um, and then we um, got pregnant again a year later also spontaneous and so we're like whoa what is going on here this is amazing and you know at the time so we got pregnant in um 2020 so we found out we were pregnant in March the same week that everybody went into lockdown for COVID and so it was um just like this incredible high and sort of very scary moment. We live in New York City. So um, we were sort of at, you know, a, a pretty epicenter sort of thing. And um, so we just hunkered down in our little bubble and, and enjoyed this really, you know, beautiful pregnancy. And at a certain point, you know, we found out that our daughter, uh, we were pregnant with a daughter, her name is Margot was having very serious complications. Um, so we had a prenatal diagnosis, two prenatal diagnoses. And so we were navigating 
finding her the best care, trying to, you know, keep our wits about us in a global pandemic with a, you know, one and a half year old. And, um, you know, trying to really deal with when you're in these situations, no decision feels like a good decision because it's not, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, I, I don't wish the feeling on anyone of, of having to sort of make medical decisions for your unborn or your newborn child that are serious health complications. And ultimately, you know, Margot um, died when she was two and a half days old. And we, um, we feel so grateful that we got those two and a half days with her. Um, we feel like, um, you know, she is always a part of our family. Um, I call her my superpower because I think, um, you know, navigating child loss and infant loss um, and, and having to still stay functional in your marriage and, and for another child and for work um, you know, is, is incredibly hard. And, and that was another moment in my life where everything so sharply came into focus around what was important to me and what was important in our life. All of the things again, you know, because 15 years before we were struggling with infertility and then had this moment and 15 years later, I feel grateful that we got another moment. We got to like remind ourselves because sometimes you forget in that big span. You like have this moment, you get this breakthrough and then you sort of keep chugging along and your old behaviors and the old things that you think are important creep back in. And then something else jolts you to the core. And, you know, she's our superpower because the worst thing that could have happened to us happened to us. And so everything becomes in perspective and now as we go through life again, something happens, a setback happens. We're like, no big deal. Pick yourself up and move on. This isn't the worst thing that can happen to us. And so, you know, not that we had that moment right away. Certainly there was a, a grieving process and lots of therapy and lots of, you know, it's still a work in progress. But I think being able to take the trauma and the grief and use it as a way to refocus purpose in our life um, has been really helpful for me and a way to honor my daughter that, um, you know, helps me keep her with me all the time when something bad happens or when something good happens. I'm like, oh, this was, you know, um, this is all a part of my story. This is all a part of my journey. Thank you, first of all, for sharing that. Thank you. What comes to mind for me is, do you think, because we don't grieve anymore, like grief has been made such a, I think people are terrified of people who are in grieving because nobody wants yeah. to feel bad, right? Because nobody wants to, well, quite frankly, most people aren't happy. And so any any greater level of not happiness is almost too much for them to bear. 
but what the sense that I'm getting is that in the rejection of grief, in the rejection of death as part of our life journey, people are almost numb to living. Yeah. Because for me, every day, and and I know my partner gets really freaked out when he tells me about somebody passing, and I go, "Honey, we're all gonna die. Like, like live today, because I don't know when my expiration date mm -hmm. is, and mm -hmm. it. I'm not being morbid. I just have such a realness about I am. This yeah. body is is borrowed. Is is it has an expiration date." And I just feel like a lot of people are not willing to be real about death and mm -hmm. and allowing the grieving process and thereby not living fully. And isn't that one of the ways in which we got sucked into systemic living, the mm -hmm. robotic high achievement living that our culture is built on at the moment? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, it's interesting. I think, first of all, when it's a death of a child, it's it's out of order for what we are thinking about when it's a parent or a grandparent or an older friend it's different than when it's a child so i think first of all people just don't know how to respond and you get a lot of strange responses or non-responses um i also think as a society we're doing better all the more conversations we have it makes us better and more equipped to support each other when these things happen so i think that's all so good it's so so good and it makes us more aware but we were talking to a child psychologist because we had a young son he saw me pregnant he he you know met his sister and we said how do we explain this to him what like how do we not mess him up because of this and Actually, the advice that the child psychologist gave us to talk to our then almost two-year-old about this and to continue the conversation as he grew up and had questions has been so helpful for me to help adults deal with this is that, you know, even the way we speak about death, oh, they passed away, they went on to a better place, they were too good, it's all euphemisms because we can't deal with the simple matter of dying which is natural and not scary or shouldn't be scary um, and it means we should be really taking these moments to heart not wasting our time doing something for the collective good doing things that make us happy focusing on the positive right because it is so short and so the advice was, you know, explain this in very simple terms. Don't over explain. Answer the questions directly and, and let him come to you. So what happened to Margot? She died. Why did she die? Her heart stopped working and we need our heart to live. Don't say, oh, God wanted her to come. You know, all of these things that we say as adults to make ourselves feel better about the situation it's actually so confusing and it's so confusing for us. I think we create this um, false sense of what's happening, you know, because we don't want to have to deal with our own mortality. And so we create this like, and I'm not talking about, you know, 
what happens to our spirit and, you know, all, all of that, which I think is a very personal, you know, thing for everyone to make a decision for themselves. I'm talking about our body and our time on this earth and it's finite. And I think we live in this Peter Pan sort of mentality of it's just going to go on and on and on. Um, and that's not true. I recall as a young girl, my aunt passed away. I think she was 24 at the time. And yes, we got the, she's gone to heaven. Da, 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 da. And my grandmother never recovered from the loss of her, her child. She had three daughters and um, I could feel as a child, I didn't have the vocabulary, but I had the, I could feel the resentment in my mother and my grandmother towards God, the universe, life, yeah. because how dare you take her away from me? I'm so angry about this. Mm -hmm. And I feel like part of that is because of the narrative that we have. Oh, no, mm -hmm. God wanted one of his angels to come back to heaven. And, and my grandmother was like, no, she was my baby. I wasn't ready for this. I wasn't like, this is not cool. And she was angry for a lot of years. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so was my mom. And looking back with compassion, death was the kindest thing that happened to my aunt because she was bulimic. And, you know, by the time that she died, most of her organs had stopped working inside. She was in so much pain and, and everything. Yeah. And I'm not taking away from the heartache. Um, sure. But I just feel like sometimes if we were having more real conversations of, well, this is life and this is death and this is what happened. And now the mm -hmm. person's dead, maybe healing would happen faster, emotional healing. And maybe mm -hmm. we would have a deeper appreciation for this thing called our body um, mm -hmm. and how we actually treat her. And yeah. that, especially as women, man, I cannot tell you how many women I meet that are exhausted, that are really on the brink of burning out, but it doesn't look the way we think it has to look. It's that that's almost um, simmer suffering of yes. every day, just not feeling great. Mm -hmm. but still carrying on it's like this it's martyrdom yeah. it's yeah. cool and it's a non-appreciation of the body yeah stress is such a silent killer i mean so much disease so much unwellness comes from stress and i think for so many of us coming out of the pandemic men and women and children and teenage i mean so many people i think teens and children just got such the short end of the stick. I mean, you know, this, I think, you know, so many of us are walking on the brink between like being okay and not being okay. It's a really fine line that we're trying to balance. And one of the good things that I think came out of the pandemic, and unfortunately this isn't for everyone, right? This is more of a privileged thing. But again, it was one of those moments where we really said, what's important to us in life? Do I need to spend 45 minutes commuting each way to the office five days a week? Or do I only have to do that two days a week? Do I really need to be spending all of this money on this crap? Or can I do this? And 
you know, you, you got time at home with your family for the first time. And so, I mean, my friend and I were talking about it last week at dinner and, and she had to go to the West coast for a week for work. And I said, remember when we would fly, we live in New York to San Francisco for a meeting, a one day meeting, we would be like on the ground for less than 24 hours. We'd take an early flight and a red eye home. Why did we ever think we wanted to do that? And so, you know, I think we're still in this fight or flight mode um, and the pressures are getting harder, but I hope we can, you know, think about it. We were running at such a high level of this type A overachiever striving level. And then the pandemic hit and we all had to like shrink inside our bubble. And now in the past year, we're starting to come back out, but our senses and our, you know, it's like a little baby that is coming into the world for the first time. We need to sort of let ourselves ramp up. We're not going to be able to go right back to the pace we were at. We probably shouldn't have ever been at that pace to begin with. We really need to sort of find what the new groove is, but it's tough to do that because we still have work. We still have families. We still have you know, even if you don't have children, familial obligations, we still have bills to pay. And so I think we're still in this very much adjusting period to what the new pace is going to be. I really hope we turn a corner because I think so many of us are really struggling silently to hold it all together and there's still we're still holding on to this idea that you can have it all which I think is complete bullshit but well I was thinking about that because you mentioned that in our call and so my thing is I do believe we can have it all but I I wanted to think on this and I think there's a missing piece in what's being said because when we say you can have it all that is so overwhelming right yes And again, it puts into our heads of we must want to have it all instead of we can have all our true desires. We can have all true values. And that takes time for us to figure out what we actually want. And I do believe that we get to have our true desires, but we have to stop buying into the overwhelmment of we can especially as women, we are constantly being told, you can be, do it, have it all. And I used to think, oh my God, I so don't want to be superwoman anymore. It's exhausting. When I tap down to what I truly want, it's so little in the scheme of it all, but it's so precious to me. I love that you just said that. That puts a whole new perspective on it for me. So you can have everything that's important to you, but you don't get everything. You don't want everything. Right, right. And so- goes out of it, the pressure I of- I love that. Comparison is released. Like we can just, oh, what do I actually I love want that. and let the rest go? And I can't. I think you just totally blew my mind. <laughs> I really love that. You know, the hard part is doing that work to figure out what it is you really want. And, you know, what is it that's really important to you? Um, and that isn't easy. 
because a lot of the times what we think we want is not what we need or what we really are going to be happy with. And so, you know, the key is, is having those clear goal, you know, the clear want, what are the, the most important things to you? That's tough. It's tough to figure out. And it's like this uh, balance that we have to work on between not being a complete recluse, (laughs) 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 but also not getting sucked into the tribal and group mentality of what we should be like, do like, have like, all of those things. And I feel that's one of the gifts of the time that we are living in, and especially for women in business. I'm seeing a lot of women getting pulled into the mass mentality of for you as a businesswoman, this is what you should be creating. This is what you should be wanting. And I got sucked into that for a while as well. Thank God, because then after all, I was like, do I really want this or do I want this? Because everybody tells me I'll be special if I have this. No, and then I'm like, no, but now I get to have these really exclusive spaces that I'm co-creating with friends, genuine friends, where we have the conversations of be playing devil's advocate and poking at our desires and going a little bit deeper and deconstructing our beliefs and, and all of those things. And in that, and this is where I feel women businesses will thrive moving forward we need sacredness to come back into the blend of our lives with business being a part of that. I woke up to the word blending this morning. It's a blending of life, not wanting to only be perceived as a businesswoman or a wife or a mother or a this. I am woman in my fullness. And I get to create in business. I get to create in romance. I get to create in motherhood. I get to create in all of these deliciousness. Yeah. And be safe in myself to be seen as woman. Not as whole. Titles, right? Yeah. So powerful. And that's what I am excited about, about what we are creating in consciousness right now and in our world so i'm i'm only positive about yes it breaks my heart when i look and see the choices that are being made and the struggle and the i was i was chatting to my partner yesterday there's a i want to find the freaking piece of thread that's being pulled in the tapestry that's pulling out all these strings that are creating suffering because i do believe there's a root there's a root thread that's being pulled and if we can figure that thread out and help people to mend it mend it yeah more people will operate in true frequency of joy satisfaction happiness creativity overflow abundance health well-being and and loving the life experience and appreciating even the dark life experiences because it as horrible as what it sounds it's what makes life experience rich right Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. the is the joy and the sorrow. Yeah. It's allowing ourselves to have all of that. I think the pain, I mean, 
And as a parent, all you want to do is protect your child from pain and suffering and make everything okay for them and great for them all of the time. Um, and my, you know, my husband and I talk about this. We have a four-year-old and, you know, as we make decisions, like, oh, I just want to protect him. And, but, you know, the, the, the hardship, pain, suffering, it is a part of the human experience. And I do feel that I love harder and am more trusting and more loyal and more appreciative of the good and the real relationships and of my family because of the pain and because of the hardship because it's it makes it more real it 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 like you you build roots and you know around that but until it's tested you know when everything is easy it's just easy you sort of take it for granted but when you have to work for it or when it's taken away or when it's not easily found, right? When you get it, you just are willing to fight for it and hold on to it so much harder. And I think there's something really beautiful about that as a part of our human experience. Um, and I think in terms of my business relationships, I've been lucky to find a community of women sort of later. I, I've always had great friends, but it wasn't really until my 30s that I found my tribe. And, you know, my, my, my group of women that we can talk about business and life. And a lot of those people I met at work. Um, this is one of the reasons why I think a hybrid work situation is actually beneficial and, and, um, but, you know, that still, I mean, for 25 years, it's, you know, new people come into the mix and, and I love that, but those relationships have carried me through and we've come up together from a work experience and really when we have a question or we need support or we're making a decision and we're, we want another opinion you know, we, we, the value of that community, I don't think I fully appreciated until the past few years. Um, and, and those relationships are incredibly important to me. And so when you're talking about, you know, your women that you poke and you needle and you brainstorm and you dream, um, I wish that for everyone because it's such a beautiful, important thing. And I don't think my journey would be as rich without that. Absolutely. Yeah. Being aware of the time and we can have this conversation for hours. Because <laughs> this is fun for me. I would love to keep, yeah. What do you take an unapologetic stand for in this world? Honesty and integrity. I think... Um, whatever the situation, um, you need to be honest with yourself and the people around you. Um, that's, everyone deserves that. And, and that's hard to do in a lot of situations. It's the harder path to take a lot of the times, which is why I think we're sort of in a lot of the situations we're in. How are you? Fine. 
we're not fine. Saying I'm not fine is maybe what you don't think the other person wants to hear. Um, at work, giving construction constructive feedback, hard to do, hard to hear, super important. Um, and so I think, you know, knowing this, this idea of what's really important to you, knowing what you really want and need out of life, um, being honest is the most important thing for me, not always, oftentimes the not easy path. Mm, it's interesting. I've often had this conversation and actually I have a, a chapter in my book that's coming out on truth. Um, mm. In that truth is a frequency. And if we are living in a non-truthful frequency, not maliciously, but quite frankly, it's the society, society has taught us all to be liars from childhood. Mm -hmm. So lying is the dominant frequency of our society. When we come in the presence of truth, there is a disharmony. It's almost like, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Venom, where the hybrid, mm -hmm. when there's a cling, he goes, it like spikes out in, in pain and it's extraordinarily painful for him because the frequency is different from where he is mm. operating. And if he stays in that frequency long enough, it shatters and he's set free or he withdraws. It's why we say the pain, the truth is painful. It's because the yeah. frequency is disharmonious with the lies. And if we just allow ourselves to stay with the person in truth long enough, we will vibrate on that level and it stops hurting. Yeah. But most people just move away. And I always said, even with my kids, when I raised them, I said, as long as I'm coming from a space of love, I will always tell you the truth. And you need to know that. So it might mm -hmm. not my intention to hurt you. It's my intention to be honest with you. And that's how I raised my kids. And sometimes when it was the toughest things, I would put my hand on my heart and I would put their hand on my heart and I would go, just feel the truth in what I'm saying to you now, even if it's not what you want to hear. So I appreciate you taking a stand for that because I do believe that we need to start recalibrating our world to a frequency of truth and honesty mm -hmm. instead of, all this BS to make people feel yeah. better in the moment, but then keeping them out of integrity with who they are and what they truly value. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's true. I love that. I can't wait to read your book. <laughs> <laughs> to the women. Oh, mm, yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Lots of things in that book that people don't want to hear, but it's all good. <laughs> but it's all truth. Speaking the truth. You know, and, and again, it comes from many, many decades of living life yeah. and being willing to question and not to make things wrong, but because things felt wrong and I wanted to see things differently and, and thereby allowing myself to have a different experience of the world. How do women get a hold of you and, and which kind of women would you love to connect yeah. with at this time? So I um, am the founder of a company called Honeybees Group, and we work with small business owners and founders, small to medium-sized businesses, and our specialty is on partnerships and business development for growth. So we help you figure out 
you know, we look at your business and we help you figure out how to grow it through strategic partnerships, business development, collaborations, and, and we do strategic planning. So I love working with female founders that those are most of my clients. I just think um, we are creating so many super exciting businesses. Um, and so you can go to honeybeesgroup.co. Um, or you can find me, Jack White, on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to connect with people there. Send me a message. Let me know that you, you know, found me on the podcast and I'm happy to um, connect and, um, you know, meet people all the time. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. I feel almost as though what you are doing through your work is... Um... an exponential embodiment of the mother archetype in honor mm -hmm. of Margo. And um, yes, and she continues to live through you and the work that you are doing. What Thank a beautiful you. way to honor your daughter. And um, I hope that this podcast does justice in honoring her as well. And I can't thank you enough for sharing your story. Truly, honey, this is um, honey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll take so much appreciation and, and gratitude for you. Um, and Thank you. I look forward to a continued friendship with you. I think that you're an extraordinary woman living in an extraordinary time. Um, and you set such an amazing example for us. And so thank you for being you. And thank you so much. This is the first time I've really talked about Margot in a public way. And I think meeting you and hearing the stories that you're um, amplifying really made me feel safe and comfortable to talk about her in a way that I think does honor her. And um, I hope it is helpful for someone else. And um, so thank you. I, I really appreciate um, what you're doing and I'm grateful to um, be a part of the Unapologetic Women show today so I appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome. To all our listeners, thank you ladies for spending this time with us. Uh, this was a this was a deep topic um, on so many layers and if anybody has been triggered reach out to us either myself or Jack quite frankly mm -hmm. um, yeah. and the intention is for you to know that you're not alone and for us to start normalizing life again the life experience in honor and appreciation of it and for women to start having a voice and reclaiming themselves unapologetically because i do believe that it's time for us to live our legacies unleashed unlimited and unapologetic so until next week have an amazing day further you know that you are loved in your fullness cheers thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast please share it with others post about it on social media or leave a rating and review to catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at The Unapologetic Woman and on LinkedIn at l naj And if you're interested in experiencing the Unapologetic Woman Friendwork Soiree, book in for our next open meeting at 
unapologetic-women.as.me forward slash unapologetic. Thanks again and I'll see you next week.